I can't remember a more, I'm going to use the word emotive, uh, start to a, a fall season or even to a, to a service. It seems as though there's been a lot of emotions in the service to this point, right? And this is indeed an emotional day for some of you. It may well be the first time back through the doors of this church or of any church for that matter in a long time. This morning as I was coming in, I met someone who looked at me and said, wow, this feels strange. This is the first time through these doors in over six months. It's an emotional season. We've never had a fall season where, apart from three strings, wasn't it great to see them, by the way? Uh, our, our orchestra had to be virtual, our choir had to be virtual because everything is virtual. Well, not quite everything. Community isn't virtual and the body of Christ isn't called to be virtual. And it's with that in mind that we're really kicking off this series that is more than a series for us. We believe that what we're about to do over the next six weeks together is going to be foundational if the church of Christ is going to make inroads as the body of Christ in the world, and especially in this nation. Now, we're doing this series for, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, we recognize that while there are some of us here who love the fact that COVID gave us more time with our family, more time with our spouses, and our relationships thrived as a result of it, judging by the number of calls and the virtual appointments made to our care team, that wasn't everyone's experience. It seems as though spending a lot of time in a confined space with people you love isn't necessarily that easy. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Uh, more than that, we, we, we actually think that in this season that we're in as a nation, as Nader said, leading up to that certain date, November 2nd, notorious date, things may not be as loving and as civil as they have been to this point, which is kind of difficult because things aren't necessarily civil at this moment. More than that, we think that the, the, the nation of America is drifting towards that pre-Christian reality, which makes the church even more irrelevant than it already is to many. And we feel that the solution to all of these things, a vital tool in all of these things, is something called kindness. Now, if you're familiar with Central, you will know that uh, at the start of the year, God gave me the word kindness. So I want to get this out there, okay? Yes, I believe this is a, se a series and a sermon that I've had to preach to myself before I'm able to give it to you but that's always the case. That's always the case. I can never actually give something that I already haven't had to wrestle with. But I think it goes further than that. I think that if we as a community are willing to engage in what we're calling the kindness project, I think we can see our relationships with a, an EGR, extra grace required person, can actually improve. I think that our presence in the world, in our nation, at a divisive season like this, can actually be welcomed. And I actually think that if we embrace this kindness project, that we can actually see God make his message of salvation through Jesus Christ and total transformation even relevant for those people who don't know who Jesus is. 
We believe that this is that important. Now, as I journeyed into this, I discovered a book. And uh, it's a book called The Kindness Challenge, written by uh, Sean T. Feldhahn. And uh, as I read this, I-, I just realized that this book is so personal, but it's also so communal. I discovered that there are truths in here that are so profound and yet so simple that I kind of reached out to, to Shanti and I said, Shanti, would you be willing, because I believe this is so important, to just come here and just explain why kindness is so powerful and yet so overlooked? And she agreed to do it. So, uh, friends, would you just give Shanti a, a kind of central welcome? as she uh, joins me on the stage. Great to see you, Shanti. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Her name is Hindi for peace, it, I understand, yep. right? It means peace. Um, and and what, what's interesting is I kind of researched you, because of course I had to research you before I got <laughs> you on the stage, right? You're strange. I mean, that seems a strange way, but bear with me here, right? I, I think your first book was back in about 1988, 1998, and it was actually on the Y2K. Any of old enough to remember that? In the day when the world was going to fall apart because this Y2K thing was happening, you wrote a book on that, and it was that mediating position and saying, hey, don't worry, Balanced. God's still got this. Balanced, but yes. Now, bear with me. You go from that to these for men only, for women only, which is talking about marriage and everything else. Can you see the kind of shifts here? It's kind of like Y2K, tech bubble, this kind of thing, into relationships. And your new book written with your, with your husband here is Thriving in Love and Money. Yeah. You released that, I think, in February. What timing for that, Shanti? I actually released it in March, what? one week before a national emergency was declared, mm. which is, you and, know. And of course, you Not think a that great was time bad for timing, a book, right? Yes. For a book, it, it's probably how many copies did you sell? I, wonder, I, I you think know? we've sold 17 copies there so far. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's, gonna, that's a bestseller. But it, it's not as if COVID has had any kind of impact on couples' finances no, at all, right? We realize this is God's timing Perfect. because there's millions of home, millions of couples who are stuck at home worrying about money. So yeah. But. So you're, you're kind of wrote to this stage, this is where I'm getting at with this, I am leading somewhere, it's is not that usual. No. Right? Um, and, and speaking on things like men only, women only, marriage, this kind of thing, you, you kind of think your background was in counseling, that kind of thing, but for everybody out there, just share a little bit about your, your background. Yeah, definitely not what you would think of for somebody who talks about relationships. You know, I'm not a psychologist or a, a marriage therapist. I'm an analyst by training. I, I actually got a graduate degree that was very analytical, and I worked on Wall Street um, for a number of years, and I had no idea that God would be taking that analytical background, that skill set, and using it in a totally different way to study what helps people to thrive in their life and relationships. And, and that's really what's the, the kind of similar thing in all of these books, right? It, it's looking at a topic that is really important and discovering that at the heart of these topics, there are items, there are issues that people are overlooking, and if we would be willing to, to engage with these, our life and our relationships could actually transform. It's usually such simple stuff. We were talking last night about the fact that we, Jeff and I really feel called to dig out, to use these research methods to dig out the little things that are 
really going to make a big difference for us. Yeah, so. and, and, and I take it then that that kind of similarity, that it's seeing something through analyzing it was really the inspiration behind the kindness challenge. Yes, <laughs> we actually um, had done, when we were doing the kindness challenge, we had done eight of these uh, big nationally representative studies. I should explain all of our all of our books are based on these big national research studies in order to dig out really good, rigorous data so it's not just our opinion. Yeah. And I had done eight of these, and I looked back at all of them, and I realized there's this kind of thread running through all of them that I hadn't seen before. And it was showing me that whether you thrive in your life and whether you thrive in your relationships, it turns out it is far more correlated to how we treat other people than how we ourselves are treated. And it, it is such a reverse from what our kind of natural selves want and what the world tells us that we should do because, you know, I mean, if we all think that we're going to feel better and it'll do better if we, like, stand up for ourselves and if we try to make things fair. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the Bible says God is a lover of fairness. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is such a paradox. It's such a Jesus paradox mm -hmm. that truly, if we want to thrive, we need to spend far more time and attention and energy looking at how we treat others than at how they treat us. That's actually a relief for me. As someone who's giving the word, you know, kindness at the start of the year, it seems to me that I may not be alone in this. I mean, I made a mistake. I've said this before in, in telling my wife that God was telling me to deal with kindness because I, she went out and bought this kind of picture, whatever you would call it, and it had three words in there, kindness changes everything. And she put it on the wall so that every time I got out of my bed, walked into the bathroom, that would be the first thing that I would see. It was as if my wife was saying, Craig, it is pretty clear to me and to everyone else that you need to be more kind. <laughs> What's encouraging to me as I listen to this, though, is, Sean, is that some people may well be listening to this thinking, yeah, well, it's pretty clear Craig needs that, right? But I don't because I'm not that unkind, am oh I? Oh my gosh, I, I had the same reaction. I'm sure many of us in here had the reaction, those of you watching online, when we started talking about kindness, when you mentioned this, I guarantee that some of us were thinking, oh, I wish Jennifer were here. <laughs> I really wish Peter could hear this. I wish my daughter could hear this. Because we, everybody, every single person who's listening to this, I know we all value kindness. That's a huge deal for every one of us. And the problem is we already think we are kind and we have no idea that we're deluded. <laughs> we are not as kind as we think we oh, are. I'm glad we I'm are not alone, not... I tell you. <laughs> the whole time I was doing this research project, I was going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I had no idea, yeah. So. The kindness challenge, really, what you do is you unpack the, the, the heart of kindness and, and what it is and what goes into that. And we'll be doing that as a church over the next six weeks. We'll, we'll just be digging deeper into this. And remember the foundation. We prayed it right at the beginning from Titus. It's the loving kindness of God that brought us to repentance. That's the foundation for it. So we'll be, we'll be taking time to unpack that. And then we'll also be encouraging us to work this through in a group. And one of the things we've said is that the power of groups is that a lot of this has to do with blind spots. 
spot, seeing our blind spot. And many of us don't know what we don't know. We don't see what we can't see. And the power of doing this as a group is that they'll help us see our blind spot. So if you don't want to see a blind spot, don't get in a group, don't relate to other people, because <laughs> the more you relate to them, the more you'll be aware of your blind spots. But this, all of this leads you in the book to do something called the Kindness Challenge that is a, a 30-day challenge that organizationally as a church, we're going to step into November 1. And we're going to encourage us to, to work through this all together. But the Kindness Challenge, it, it's profound, but it's simple. Yeah. Tell us about that. This is the process that as we did this research project to try to figure out what is it that is most going to transform our relationships, this was what came out statistically. And here's how you do this. Um, you pick a person to do this A for. person. One person. So I can't it, pick all my kids. <laughs> and you may want to, right? And, and you know what? Absolutely the second time around that you do it, pick all your kids or all of the family members that drive you crazy that you want to have a better relationship with. But the first time you do it, really, it's a boot camp and having your eyes opened. Mm -hmm. And it, we found that it is sort of diluted mm -hmm. if you're not just doing it with one relationship. So pick that person, whether it's your spouse, maybe you already have a good relationship, you just want it to be better, or mm -hmm. your mother-in-law, or I did this for my... Nobody has problems with their mother-in-laws today? <laughs> I, I did this for my 16-year-old um, daughter, because, you know, she was 16. <laughs> and and she, could, yes. she could roll her eyes with the best of them, and my head wanted to explode. So pick that person. And then do, there are three things. You're going to do these same three things every day for 30 days. So you want me to yeah, tell you what those are? Okay. So the first thing is every day for 30 days, you say nothing negative about that person. Nothing negative about that person. E either to them or about them to somebody else. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the hard part. That, it turns out, in all seriousness, that is where we sabotage ourselves and our relationships. Let's just say I'm doing this for my husband. And, um, and I don't realize, I can be polite to my husband, but then if I go to my girlfriends at work and I'm like, you would not believe what he did yesterday, I don't realize I am sabotaging how I feel about him. And I am actually training myself to be an unkind person. I don't think of it that way, but that's exactly what I'm doing. So it's as if you're saying that when, when we do that, there's something happening on the inside that we're being conditioned to do, even yes. when the, the person that we're being negative about isn't actually listening to it or a knee shot of Correct. it. Correct. It is very much the way that God has wired us and God has wired our emotions. And it just, it makes sense if you think about it. Mm -hmm. If you're irritated, mm -hmm with someone, mm -hmm. <laughs> hypothetically, if you're irritated with someone and you tell them you're irritated and you tell someone else that you're irritated, are you going to be more or less irritated? Yeah, I don't like the answer to that. So better move on. <laughs> we, we all know the answer to that, right? So that's the first thing is to withhold that negativity, say nothing negative about them. This is just 30 days, people. Like, we can do this, right? Um, the second thing that you do every day for 30 days is you actually find something positive, something that you can sincerely praise and sincerely affirm about that person, and you tell them that, and you tell someone else that. So 
again, let's say I'm doing this for my husband and I can't complain about that thing that was driving me nuts, but I'm looking for things to praise. And, um, and this actually just happened on Friday, give you a real life example where um, I was preparing to come on this trip. I had a bunch of things I was trying to get done and um, our son needed to go to the doctor. And so Jeff said, you know what? You've got so much on your plate. I'm gonna cancel my meeting so that you can keep going with what you're doing and I'll drive him to the doctor, even though usually I do this. And so that's an example of I'm looking for things to praise. So I say, thank you for, thank you for doing this. And then I go to my girlfriends and like, you know what he did? He took time, he canceled his meetings. He allowed me to keep going with all my Zoom meetings so that I could get this stuff done. And what you're doing without maybe without realizing it, this is actually putting into practice Philippians 4, mm -hmm. 8, you know, where God says, think on whatever is excellent and lovely and worthy of praise mm -hmm. rather than what's worthy of driving you crazy. So it, it, again, it seems to me that some of us may be uncomfortable with us listening to it because it feels, hey, I, I'm saying something that I don't necessarily fully feel. But what you're saying with this is, look, something is happening on the inside of you here that yeah. is actually reconditioning, transforming yes. you to experience the power of what God's Word says. It's amazing to it's think that choice. God's Word actually is true, right? But <laughs> Imagine that. Who'd have thought? Yeah, who'd have thought? I mean, it's, it's, it's a choice that is made. Okay, can I take a minute and, and tell them one of the examples that I sure. found from um, in the sort of the neuroscience of this, literally there was an example of a study that was done by a group of, I think, UK scientists where they were, um, there was a group of plastic surgeons that submitted Botox to scientific review as a potential antidepressant. Because, you know, Botox, you inject it, you know, it reduces lines and wrinkles. And you know how sometimes there's a drug or a medicine that has a secondary impact? And they noticed that all these Botox patients um, were like going off their antidepressants and they were feeling more positive and they thought, well, you know, maybe there's some antidepressant properties in Botox and it has this other use. And so they did this big study and they thought, well, maybe it was just that people felt more pretty so they were less depressed or whatever. No, it turns out that wasn't it. So guess what it was? It turns out when you're injected with Botox, you can't frown. <laughs> and when you, can't, when you can't do this, when you can't make a frowny face, you feel less frowny. And literally these people, they couldn't make a negative face and they just felt less negative. They felt more positive. It's Philippians 4.8 in action. You can skip the shot of Botox and just do <laughs> Philippians 4.8. So that, those two things don't say anything negative either to that person or about them and find and say the positive to them and about them. Those two things alone are just transformative in the way God has made us. So I can see the wiring going on on the inside, but there, there's yeah. some kind of out to this, right? Because it's yes. not just there's not just all the internal stuff. There's a third component. To there that. is the third thing that you do every day for 30 days is make it real, make it actionable, and do a small action of kindness or a small action of generosity for that person. And um, and we think when we think of acts of kindness, we kind of think of 
acts of service, you know, like the random acts of kindness movement where, you know, you pay for the beat up car in the, yeah. in the, in the drive through behind you. And, and listen, acts of service, that is, that is one type of action of generosity or kindness, but there's so many other um, ways that this works. I'll give you a real life example from when I was doing this for my daughter. And because really common pattern with us is I'd be sitting there working on my computer and working on a deadline and she would run in and go, hey mom, I look at this cute little YouTube video or watch this little TikTok that I want to show you. And you know, I hate to say it, but my natural inclination is in an hour, honey, <laughs> you know? And, and I realized it's actually an action of generosity to turn my attention to her right now when she's excited about it, not an hour from now, and enter into this thing that she wants me to enter into with her. It's a simple thing. It's so, it seems so minor. It seems so small, but it's this huge message of you're valuable and you're also reinforcing that in yourself. So we found you do those three things for 30 days, 89% of relationships improved. Wow. I mean, it's a huge number. The, the only catch with this is how many days does it take to form a habit? 30 days? You tell me to do it for 30 days, but I'm, I'm going to commit to changing my entire life on the basis of this, yeah. right? And, and, and I mean, this, this is where it comes back to, is it, is it that important? And there is a degree of self-discipline, but I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm hearing you talk about that internal transformation that happens when I practice the positive, you know, mm -hmm. flee from the negative. And I'm like, okay, but isn't it really good to vent sometimes? <laughs> I, I mean, come on, if someone is being an... Yeah. Difficult. Yeah, isn't, difficult. It, isn't it just good to just go to someone and just let it out? Because if I don't, I'll blow up, You'll right? You'll blow up, right. Even, even the word venting implies that, that it's, it's better to let the steam out so the pot doesn't explode. And we've believed that for so long. I certainly had. And then I started to look at the neuroscience behind this. And forgive me, if there are any neuroscientists in this room, I'm going to mangle this, but what the neuroscientists have actually found is it turns out that's completely inaccurate neurologically. And that when you're venting, like those little kind of complaining kind of things or whatever criticism off to the side or exasperation, whatever, it turns out that what happens in your brain is that actually activates this interconnected anger system in your brain. And so a better analogy isn't venting steam because it turns out that's not what's happening. The, the actual thing that's happening is it's more like you're turning up the heat under the pot. So as you're complaining to someone, you're venting on social media or whatever it is, the election or blah, that it's, you're turning up the heat in your heart and in your mind. And as you, as you refuse to do that, as you, as you insist on, in yourself on being calm and being kind, and you go, does that really need to be said? Or whatever it is that you're doing to try to temper things, it's like you take the pot off the burner. Mm -hmm. And as you're, especially as you're choosing to focus on those things that are excellent and lovely and worthy of praise, it's like you're putting the, the pot lid on. And all that steam, all the all that anger, it just kind of dissipates. It turns out that's the way God has actually wired our brains. 
And I can imagine here, this, this opens up so many things. Like It's like, okay, if I do this, how, how on earth am I ever going to be able to address some of those issues? Well, read the book, right? That's one of the reasons why you, that's one of the reasons why you did this. But you, you give a really good example of this, uh, for example, with regard to interstate driving, that type oh, of thing. Just, yes. just share that with us, because that's something that... I can really identify with. I'm yeah, sure many a lot of can. us yeah. can. So, so the example is we we were talking about how it sounds kind of funny, but kindness makes us bulletproof. You know, you think about kind of uh, a superhero with the bullets bouncing off, and what often happens is that they don't bounce off. Like in our normal life, something hurts us, and the classic example that, and I'm going to ask you to sort of think about this for a minute. You know that that feeling that you have if you're driving on the highway and then the lanes start merging and you're, you're in line and you're waiting your turn and everything's crawling along as you're waiting to get past it and then there's always that car that like speeds down the side and tries to cut in. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm pulling up on the bumper yep. of the car the in front of me. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, I see other people who are like, yeah. in the last service, somebody yelled out, amen. amen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're kind of doing this and what's happening? You're getting irritated and it's like, oh no, you don't. That person is firing bullets and they're hitting. I mean, they're being rude, they're being unkind, and it is impacting you. And, you know, the head is exploding. Mm -hmm. Well, picture what happens when you, instead of, like, insisting on your rights, and if you, unmerited, have kindness towards this person, and you back off a little bit, and you let them come in, and maybe even smile and wave them in, I mean, there might be a little sarcasm in the wave, but yeah. you know, but you like what happens when you, when seriously, yeah, no, seriously. It, with kindness, let them in and picture what happens in your heart that all that anger, all that frustration, it just kind of, it kind of lifts and they're still firing the bullets. They're still being rude. They're still being inappropriate. They're being unkind, but they're not hurting you. They're bouncing off. You've, you've taken away through exercising Christ-like kindness, unmerited kindness, you've taken away their power to make you crazy. It, when, I, when I hear this, I understand that the term you use, you know, kindness is a superpower. Yeah. It, 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 it's as if the, there is a divine power to this yes. that actually not only makes us more like Christ, but actually protects us Yes. from the, the aggression of someone on the outside. It is, that's a great way of putting it, a divine power. I don't think I ever would have put it that way, but you're so right. It is, is supernatural. It is the, what we've seen with true kindness, which usually is being kind when you don't want to be, right? Like that's usually when it's truly Christ-like kindness. It really is as supernatural and miraculous the impacts are as like the Israelites walking out into the desert and finding breakfast in the morning. Like that was very visible, tangible, supernatural. And we don't think of it as being supernatural and miraculous because we can't see a tangible result. But if you think about it, that change in a heart, that is just as miraculous. Absolutely right. Especially because it doesn't just impact us, it also changes their heart as well. Yeah. 
And, and so far with this, right, we're, we're talking about the, the way that we're changed on the inside, yeah. that we're protected, and, and it can almost be, uh, okay, I, I'm gaining something. But, that some people can have this feeling, well, what am I giving up? Yeah. You, you know, I have dreams, I have desires for something. But the, the other part of your research actually shows that, wait a minute, th there is this other side too, that in, in practicing kindness like this, not yeah. only do we become more like Christ, not only are we protected, not only do we see, you know, those things, but actually we start to thrive in life and in relationships too. More, yeah. It, it was so interesting. We saw statistically, like I said, that 89% of relationships improved. And so that was like, wow, okay, big, big deal. But... We also saw the vast majority of people who did this, even though they're the ones who are doing all the work, yep. so to speak, they're the ones who are doing this effort. Often, we recommend, often do the 30-day kindness challenge completely one-sided. Don't even let the other person know that you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. This is just between you and God. Mm -hmm. And so even though they're doing all the work, the vast majority said at the end of the 30 days, they felt more loved. They felt more appreciated because it is one of those paradoxes of the way that Christ-like kindness actually works is often, not always, now we have to acknowledge, not always, but often it so softens and melts the heart of the other person that that ends up coming back as more love and appreciation towards us. Yeah, we see this in the life of Jesus himself. He modeled God's chesed, his loving kindness, yeah. better than anybody else, and yet they put him to a cross. So yeah. this idea that this is that silver bullet that is going to mean every relationship will be restored would be to give anybody false hope. But the, the whole idea that, hey, when I practice the loving kindness, and remember, it is a fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, right? And, and it's there for a reason. When I practice this, not only is there internal transformation in my own life, but there is actually that sense of fulfillment and purpose that is added to it. And then the added bonus of, hey, I can see, I can see my relationships change. I can see that yeah. my relationships transform. Uh, thinking about the, the context that I've described, and, and uh, you know, I I'm a pastor, but I'm also a missionary, so I, I think missiologically in terms of the mission of the church. I just recognize that that time is coming increasingly more and more places where, where people are walking away from the church, seeing the church mm -hmm. is irrelevant, and they'll know little about Christ. It's not as if Christ is irrelevant. They just don't know him. It's, they don't know the church is relevant. I, I just see the power of this. Oh. In terms of even, I look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I say that is a missiological right there, foundation for church in yeah. a pre-Christian America, where we just go out there and we just do good. Yeah. We just be kind to someone just for the sake of being kind. And I think that when we share the little G good news, which in that context was, you know, somewhere to stay, uh, that kind of thing, if we give someone bread, then it enables us to talk about the big G good news, which is the, the bread of life, which is Jesus himself. I, I see the power in this. So as you, as you look at all of your research and with that in mind, with all of your experience, what do you think would happen in the church in America, in all of our relationships, if we would truly embrace the power of kindness. It makes me want to cry as I think about it, honestly. Um, I was thinking about this because you asked this question in the first service, and I was like, you know, there's so many ways of answering that. And as, as I was praying about that, 
I really felt like God brought to mind what happened in the first century. You had a group of people who were persecuted, um, who were disrespected, um, who were fighting what seemed like this crazy uphill battle, but they weren't fighting. They were kind. They were loving. They were trying first and foremost to show the people around them, who certainly didn't deserve it, they were trying to show them Jesus. And that was it. And it took over the world because the power of kindness, Christ-like kindness, is the power of Jesus himself. And it is the thing that shows, God says, this is how they will know is that you show them my love. And right now we're in this season where it is not loving kindness. And we're gonna be going up to the election, and I hate to tell you this, but as a policy analyst, it's gonna go on for long after the election night, let me tell you. Um, there's very likely gonna be weeks and weeks and weeks of discourse where we as followers of Jesus have an opportunity to show a different way and by showing a different way, show him. And what happened in the first century is that that you can't argue with that. And I love what your worship leader said about, you know, first and foremost, when people look at us, let's not have them see donkeys or elephants. Let's have them see the Lamb of God. Yeah, it's the, it's the power of surrender. So as you went through this, just sum up for us, as you went through this entire experience yourself, what did you experience as a result of that? Oh, gosh. Because I, I can't imagine it is necessarily easy to change some of the things that are, that are difficult, right? Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm, the reason I'm laughing is this is so embarrassing to have to admit. But when you're like, what, what changed in you? I'll just, I'll give you my example. Everybody in here, if you end up doing this, you'll have your own. But... I, I hate to confess this, but when I was looking at those things that scientifically were coming out, I was seeing the, you know, do these three things, I kind of thought, okay, I, I need to work on number two and number three, saying the words of praise and doing the actions of generosity, but I got yeah, one you're covered. Not negative? No. I'm not negative, no. I'm not unkind. Oh my gosh. Once I actually started doing this, and by the way, I started cataloging the different types of negativity. It turns out there's seven different patterns of negativity and unkindness, and we all have at least one of them. And some of us have more than one, unfortunately. And I realized I am negative every single day because one of the patterns of negativity is exasperation. And I get exasperated with my kids all no, the time. Really? <laughs> I please tell me that somebody else can feel my pain on this. But literally, I would realize, like, this is a terrible example, but this would happen. Like, our son, he's, um, he's a great kid. He works really hard, but he has some learning issues. And so it would be like we would work for hours one night on a science project, say. And then he would forget to turn it in. <laughs> and it's just, and it's like, buddy, come on, we worked on that for hours, and I can't believe you forgot it, and my voice is rising, and I've got that exasperated tone, and I don't realize that what I'm saying to him is, you're an idiot. 
Like, would I ever use those actual words with my sweet, sensitive son? Of course not. But that is exactly the message he was hearing. And, I, and once you start figuring out what your pattern is, you're going to see it everywhere. Your eyes are going to be opened to it the first time you go through the 30-day kindness challenge with this one person, but you'll see it everywhere. And there's sarcasm. other patterns. Yeah, yeah one yeah. of the other patterns there you go. British is, sense of humor. is sarcasm. Out of the I mean, one of the pastors I was talking to when, when I was sharing that sarcasm was one of the seven patterns, and he's like, but sarcasm is my spiritual gift, you know? <laughs> like, but no, seriously, we don't realize that sometimes humor at someone else's expense, it's not as ha-ha-ha as we think it is. Yeah. 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 So... Hopefully you've heard a little bit about the hows and, and some of the theory behind this. I, I do pray you've heard the why. Uh, we really do believe that um, yeah, we, we know that some of our relationships really need to deepen. They need to become more Christ-like. We know that this is the a stage in a season where the church of Jesus Christ needs to step up and demonstrate loving kindness. Now remember, the truth in love is what we're, we're called to model. In the evangelical community, we're really good at truth. The love part and balancing it, we can do a little bit of help and we can do with a little bit of help with that. And, and then that third part is just as we move into a season that the church will become increasingly irrelevant, our country will be increasingly pre-Christian. We really do believe that this is that foundation theologically, missiologically for allowing the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, to be the hands and feet. And so in this season, we really do believe that God wants to lay a foundation to prepare us for what's coming. So this is foundational. And so as a part of that, what we're going to do is we are going to do this kindness challenge together. We're kind of going to do it in the way that the book does it, really. We're going to teach about kindness for the next six weeks. And then we're going to, beginning of November, we're going to enter organizationally into that kindness challenge, that doing kindness, where we're going to encourage you to pick one person, not all of your kids, one person, and practice those three things. Avoid negativity practice positivity, and then do something kind, okay? Do something generous. Now, we're going to do that, and I'm going to talk about how we're going to do that in a second, but Sean, you and I were mindful of the fact that just as we're going through this, the Spirit does what the Spirit does, and some people are saying, I can't wait till November 1 for this. I need to step into this now, and I need the support now. Yeah. What do those people do? So I would suggest that they go to our website and sign up for, um, we have 30 days of reminder emails that are helping you walk through it. And it's little, it's just a little bit of coaching every day. It's like, okay, what do I do if I want to kill my husband instead? Like those kinds of questions, right? Like just little bits every day. And, um, and there's an assessment there so you can kind of figure out where are you starting in this? Like really, what are the things you most need to work on? And so that website is jointhekindnesschallenge.com. Jointhekindnesschallenge.com, all yeah. one word? Yeah. Okay, I butchered that in the first service, so I got it right <laughs> in the second great. one. Um, so if, if you're here, seriously, and you just recognize, you know what, there's a relationship right now that's already in that critical stage, and, and, and I need to do something, I can't wait till November, then do this right now. Okay. Secondly, what we would encourage you to do is to just have a look at this book. Uh, this book is there. Uh, originally, we were going to have the book in the lobby, but we can't do that because it's not touchless, right? So, yeah. 
Uh, let's move on. So Shondi has been kind enough to say, uh, to give us 35% off the book plus free shipping. All you need to do is to put in that code kind, kindness, okay? And then just already start to work through this with us. Let me also say our students are doing this within small groups. Our children are going to be doing some of this as well. This really is going to be foundational for us. And uh, we're going to spend the next number of weeks, starting next week, we're doing a message called The Divine Kind, Understanding the Kindness of God Himself, that is the foundation for all of this. And then we're going to work through it. Now, what we do recognize, and we've hinted at this already, is that we can do this on our own, and that, that is totally fine. But a lot of this has to do with blind spots. Identifying those areas where we are weak, we've not seen how negative we can be or how bad some of our relationships are. And the ability to do this in a group together is going to be, we think, important for us to be able to do those 30 days intentionally focused and well. In this COVID season where even indoor meetings are limited, what we're saying to you, first of all, is find your people. Find your people. You probably have natural relationships with people that you can just gather around and say, hey, uh, let's do this. Now, if you're a family, we have developed a portion of our website. You'll see that on the screen right now. It is basically the, the church website, central, centralholland.org forward slash kindness. And we've developed an entire section of our website that actually will guide you, your family, your group of people through some of these uh, through some of these weeks. There's something going to be there every week. In fact, week one, which doesn't begin until next week, is already online right now. So you'll be able to go and see it, familiarize yourself with that. But the first thing is find your people. Why blind spots? You may think that I'm the only one who needs to work on my kindness. But I think we all probably do. And the evangelical church certainly does. Okay? Find your people. Now, there are some people here who are thinking, Craig, I've got no one to go through this with. If that is you, then what I would ask you to do is to take out your phone, memorize that number, 616-425-5378, and text the word KIND to that number. What will happen then is that our team of people will connect with you and will find a group that works for you. Again, what we're talking about here, usually we do C6 groups, community for six weeks. We can't necessarily do that. So what we're going to do is for the duration of the series, we're going to put you into a group. We'll connect you with a group. We're even going to try and make sure that these groups are affinity. So if there is a, a particular relationship you're trying to work on, like your spouse or a child, we're even going to try and work it that way. But again, find your people. Okay, blind spots are real. Find your group, find your people. If you need help, remember that number, 616-425-5378. Remember to bakerbookhouse.com. Uh, remember to uh, purchase uh, the book and, and just go through this with us. We believe that this will be personally transforming to us on the inside. It will add purpose to our lives as we feel more fulfilled and see our relationships thriving. But thirdly, it is going to enable 
enable us as a church to have a theology for what mission needs to look like when the country and culture becomes more secular. So this is so profound because it works on so many different levels. So we hope that you're going to join us with this. Again, thank you for joining us online. I know a number of you are still nervous about getting back. Thank you to all of you who have joined us for the first time today. And can we also say thank you to Shanti just for being with us. Thank Thank you so much for taking the trip. Thank you. So I'm, I'm really excited about this journey. Uh, again, I've been working through this book for, for, quite some, uh, for quite some time, and it is amazing to see what, what change can happen even on the inside of my own heart and on the inside of our own hearts too. So I just would like to pray for us as we leave. If, uh, could you stand with me as we do that? But I want to say this too. If you're new and you want to connect in with Central, you want more information about a group, in addition to that number, you can go straight out of these doors to the information desk over there, and our team would be delighted to assist you. At the same time, this service may well have raised issues that you need prayer for. If that's the case, go outside the door, take a right. We've got a care room there with a team of people who would love to just pray with you. Again, thank you so much for being here. Let's dismiss with a blessing. Father, we thank you that we are your people and you are our God. We thank you that you have poured your loving kindness, your grace into our hearts through faith. And God, I pray that as your people, that we would be willing to take a deeper journey into your hazard, into your loving kindness. And may we, Father, be transformed on the inside as we do what your word says. So as we go, we go in grace, we go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.